Okay, and we're back. Hello and welcome to the BuildWit Internal Podcast. This week, Alex is on vacation. Do you know where Alex is specifically? Um, it's the beach. I, I, yeah, I, at the beach Carolinas. in the Carolinas. So Alex is at the beach. And uh, Alex left me and Harrison to fend for ourselves this week. We had yesterday Nikki in here as a special guest to host the internal podcast one week. We realized, ooh, we need another podcast. And rather than just skipping it and giving you guys a week off, I said, no, 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 that's not acceptable. What could we do? And um, I started recording a podcast talking about investment, but no one wants to hear about that. That's, that's boring. I thought we would talk about something we met uh, and talked about as a leadership team um, about six weeks ago. So we had a leadership meeting. And the beginning of the leadership meeting, we talked about the five dysfunctions of a team. I read this book. It's called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And I thought it would set the stage for our leadership meeting. And all I did was I basically just read excerpts from five dysfunctions of a team to the leadership team. And we discussed them. And it set up what we thought was the best leadership meeting yet. So since it was so successful and so important, I thought I would get onto the airwaves and read the excerpts I read to the leadership team not so long ago so that all of you could think about the five dysfunctions, how they play out in your day-to-day, and how we can become more functional as a team overall. So with that, dysfunction number one, the absence of trust. In the context of building a team, trust is the confidence among team members that their peers' intentions are good and that there is no reason to be protective or careful around the group. In essence, teammates must get comfortable being vulnerable with one another. The vulnerabilities I'm referring to include weaknesses, skill deficiencies, interpersonal shortcomings, mistakes, and requests for help. As soft as this all might sound, it is only when team members are truly comfortable being exposed to one another that they begin to act without concern for protecting themselves. As a result, they can focus their energy and attention completely on the job at hand rather than on being strategically disingenuous or political with one another. Members of trusting teams admit weaknesses and mistakes, ask for help, accept questions and input about their areas of responsibility, give one another the benefit of doubt before arriving at a negative conclusion, take risks in offering feedback and assistance, appreciate and tap into one another's skills and experiences, focus time and energy on important issues, not politics, offer and accept apologies without hesitation, and look forward to meetings and other opportunities to work as a group. Suggestions for overcoming dysfunction one. It requires shared experiences over time, multiple instances of follow-through and credibility, and an in-depth understanding of the unique attributes of team members. So that is dysfunction one. The role of a leader. The most important action that a leader must take to encourage the building of trust on a team is to demonstrate vulnerability first. Displays of vulnerability on the part of a team leader must be genuine. Um, Connection to dysfunction too. By building trust, a team makes conflict possible because team members 
do not hesitate to engage in passionate and sometimes emotional debate, knowing that they will not be punished for saying something that might otherwise be interpreted as destructive or critical. So that is dysfunction number one, the absence of trust. So that's first, and they build upon, build upon each, other, each other. Dysfunction two, and when, it's, when it comes from a leadership standpoint, just, just know that all of you listening to this, everybody within this organization is a leader. You're a leader. And so demonstrating vulnerability when possible is a, is a fantastic thing to strive to do and show others that, hey, it's, it's, it's okay. Even if you're not, you know, Jason Richmond, president of Billwood Services, everybody within the services team is a leader. Everybody in the services team can demonstrate vulnerability and build trust with one another. Dysfunction two, fear of conflict. All great relationships, the ones that last over time, require productive conflict in order to grow. This is true in marriage, parenthood, friendship, and certainly business. But teams that engage in productive conflict know that the only purpose is to produce the best possible solution in the shortest period of time. They discuss and resolve issues more quickly and completely than others, and they emerge from heated debates with no residual feelings or collateral damage, but with an eagerness and readiness to take on the next important issue. Ironically, teams that avoid ideological conflict often do so in order to avoid hurting team members' feelings, and then they end up encouraging dangerous tension. It is also ironic that so many people avoid conflict in the name of efficiency because healthy conflict is actually a time saver. And I'm jumping around here. This is, these are just my highlighted notes, which is why it's not super cohesive. Suggestions for overcoming dysfunction too, fear of conflict. The first step is acknowledging that conflict is productive and that many teams have a tendency to avoid it. Teams that engage in conflict have lively, interesting meetings, extract and exploit the ideas of all team members, solve real problems quickly, minimize politics, and put crucial topics on the table for discussion. Real-time permission. Uh, so this is a way to engage in conflict. In the process of mining for conflict, team members need to coach one another not to retreat from healthy debate. Once the discussion or meeting has ended, it is helpful to remind participants that the conflict they just engaged in is good for the team and not something to avoid in the future. That's huge. The role of a leader. One of the most difficult challenges that a leader faces in promoting healthy conflict is the desire to protect members from harm. This leads to premature interruption of disagreements and prevents team members from developing coping skills for dealing with conflict themselves. Therefore, it is key that leaders demonstrate restraint when their people engage in conflict and allow resolution to occur naturally, as messy can sometimes be. This can be a challenge because many leaders feel that they are somehow failing in their jobs by losing control of their teams during conflict. Connection to dysfunction three. By engaging in productive conflict and, by, and tapping into team members' perspectives and opinions, a team can confidently commit and buy into a decision knowing that they have benefited from everybody's ideas. So an example of this is we have this uh, department roadmap meeting. So I, I guess uh, uh, before I get to that, we in our leadership team meeting, we used to have everybody would go through their updates in the first hour, and then we would discuss the second hour. It's really expensive and time consuming for everybody to get, get together. And so we asked ourselves, well, hey, couldn't, can't we just publish if we're more organized, 
can't everybody just write down their update the day before? We send it out that morning. And instead of just giving updates, why don't we spend our time together debating and discussing? Since we've done that, we've had far more effective meetings. So we have this department roadmap meeting. Okay, great. Everybody lifts off what's going on and that's helpful. But is there a way we could, we could do that without having to sit everybody down and list everything out so that we can instead come to that meeting and engage in that conflict, engage in that debate, have those lively discussions? Because that is the most valuable thing we can be doing as a team. So the first dysfunction, absence of trust. Second dysfunction, fear of conflict. The third dysfunction, lack of commitment. In the context of a team, commitment is a function of two things, clarity and buy-in. Great teams make clear and timely decisions and move forward with complete buy-in from every team member or every member of the team, even those who voted against the decision. They leave meetings confident that no one on the team is quietly harboring doubts about whether to support the actions agreed upon. The two greatest causes of lack of commitment are the desire for consensus and the need for certainty. Consensus. Great teams understand the danger of seeking consensus and find ways to achieve buy-in even when complete agreement is impossible. They understand that reasonable human beings do not need to get their way in order to support a decision, but only need to know that their opinions have been heard and considered. Certainty. Great teams also pride themselves on being able to unite behind decisions and commit to clear courses of action, even when there is little assurance about whether the decision is correct. That is because they understand the old military axiom that a decision is better than no decision. They also realize that it is better to make a decision boldly and be wrong and then change direction with equal boldness than it is to waffle. And imagine that we have a value, make decisions for a reason. Only when everyone has put their opinions and perspectives on the table can the team confidently commit to a decision knowing that it has tapped into the collective wisdom of the whole group. So without trust, you can't engage in conflict because if, if you're engaging in conflict, you need to know that everybody has the right intentions. They're not out to attack you. They're out to get to the best solution for the business, for the team. And then you can't get commitment if everybody hasn't engaged in that conflict and aired out their opinions, put their opinions on the table. So if you're leaving a meeting without having said something that you wanted to say, if you're harboring some resentment or some doubt leaving a meeting when a decision's been made, that's your responsibility. You need to speak up. You need to make sure that you're engaging in that debate. You're getting your opinion out there. And if you're in that team meeting, you need to be receptive of people's opinions. You need to get all the opinions on the table before we can say, okay, hey, this is the best decision for us. A team that commits creates clarity around direction and priorities, aligns the entire team around common objectives, develops an ability to learn from mistakes, takes advantage of opportunities before competitors do, moves forward without hesitation, and changes direction without hesitation or guilt. Some suggestions for overcoming dysfunction three, cascading messaging. At the end of a staff meeting or offsite, a team should explicitly review the key decisions made during the meeting and agree upon what needs to be communicated to employees or other constituencies about those decisions. Deadlines. As simple as it may seem, one of the best tools for ensuring commitment 
is the use of clear deadlines for when decisions will be made and honoring those dates with discipline and rigidity. The worst enemy of a team uh, that is susceptible to this dysfunction is ambiguity, and timing is one of the most critical factors that must made clear. That must be made clear. The role of the leader. More than any other member of the team, the leader must be comfortable with the prospect of making a decision that ultimately turns out to be wrong. And that is huge. You will be wrong at BuildWit. I guarantee it. I have been wrong a thousand times over. That is not what's important. What's important is that we have made the best decision we could have after engaging in that debate, getting everybody's opinion on the table, and that when we are wrong, we reconvene, we reassess, and we make another decision in the better direction. Connection to dysfunction four. In order for teammates to call each other on their behaviors and actions, they must have a clear sense of what is expected. This And dysfunction four is the avoidance of accountability. So dysfunction four, avoidance of accountability. In the context of teamwork, however, it refers specifically to the willingness of team members to call their peers on performance or behaviors that might hurt the team. The essence of, the, of this dysfunction is the unwillingness of team members to tolerate the interpersonal discomfort that accompanies calling a peer on his or her behavior and the more general tendency to avoid difficult conversations. In fact, team members who are particularly close to one another sometimes hesitate to hold one another accountable precisely because they fear jeopardizing a valuable personal relationship. Ironically, this only causes the relationship to deteriorate as team members begin to resent one another for not living up to the expectations and for allowing the standards of the group to erode. Members of great teams improve their relationships by holding one another accountable, thus demonstrating that they respect each other and have high expectations for one another's performance. A team that holds one another accountable ensures that poor performers feel pressure to improve. And it's not from a negative standpoint, it's from a caring standpoint, be a friend, but there has to be pressure there if someone's not performing. Identifies potential problems quickly by questioning one another's approaches without hesitation. Establishes respect among team members who are held to the same high standards. Avoids excessive bureaucracy around performance management and corrective action. So we're implementing a performance management system that provides a framework for regular check-in, but if we're a highly functioning team, which we're, we're on our way to becoming, but we have a long ways to go, the holding people accountable, the performance management, the check-ins, that should be happening almost daily. Every time you have the ability to offer someone feedback, whether you work directly along, alongside them or not, you should be taking that opportunity to do so. And if you have that relationship, if you've built that trust, if you've had those candid conversations, you should know that it's coming from a very positive place. Everybody has good intentions. It's not coming from a, hey, you suck. It's coming from a, hey, we need to get better here. And if we're better, we're all better off as a result. Publication of goal and standards. A good way to make it easier for team members to hold one another accountable is to clarify publicly exactly what the team needs to achieve, who needs to deliver what, and how everybody must behave in order to succeed. The enemy of accountability is ambiguity, and even when a team has initially committed to a plan or set of behavioral standards, it is important to keep those agreements in the open so that no one can easily ignore them. 
Team members should regularly communicate with one another, either verbally or in written form, about how they feel their teammates are doing against stated objectives and standards. Relying on them to do so on their own with no clear expectations or structure is inviting the potential for avoidance or accountability. And this is where that performance management system is going to come into play. The role of a leader. Sometimes strong leaders naturally create an accountability vacuum within the team, leaving themselves as the only source of discipline. This creates an environment where team members assume that the leader is holding others accountable, and so they hold back even when they see something that isn't right. Once a leader has created a culture of accountability on a team, however, he or she must be willing to serve as the ultimate arbiter of discipline when the team itself fails. And that is the extreme ownership. The leader owns the team, but it's on everybody within the team to make sure they are holding the line and holding people accountable. And this is something I've struggled at. I've been guilty many times over of having those difficult conversations. Connection to dysfunction five. If teammates are not being held accountable for their contributions, they will be more likely to turn their attention to their own needs and to the advancement of themselves or their departments. And I've seen this. We've been guilty of this. The advancement, not, not a lot of times of themselves, of individuals, but of individual departments. Dysfunction five, inattention to results. The ultimate dysfunction of a team is the tendency of members to care about something other than the collective goals of the group. An unrelenting focus on specific objectives and clearly defined outcomes is a requirement for any team that judges itself on performance. A team that focuses on collective results, retains achievement-oriented employees, minimizes individualistic behaviors, enjoys success and suffers failure acutely, benefits from individuals who subjugate their own goals, interests uh, for the good of the team, and avoids distractions. The role of a leader. Perhaps more than with any other of the other dysfunctions, the leader must set the tone for a focus on results. If team members sense that the leader values anything other than results, they will take that as permission to do the same themselves. Summary. Success is not a matter of mastering subtle, sophisticated theory, but rather of embracing common sense with uncommon levels of discipline and persistence. So that is the five dysfunctions. And let me find a little graph. The first, absence of trust. Seek opportunities to build relationships, build trust. I have loved seeing the services team build trust this week. The services team have, has built more trust this week than probably the entire rest of the year combined because it's a lot of interacting. It's a lot of interpersonal conversations. It's a lot of caring for one another. It's a lot of getting to know one another. It's huge. Absence of trust. We must build trust with one another. And as we, this is constantly changing. As we add new people to the team, this, is a, this, this goalpost is going to be perpetually changing. Build trust. If you have trust, the next one, if there's the absence of trust, now the next one is fear of conflict. So if you trust people, you can engage in conflict knowing that, hey, I can get my opinion. I can, I can tell Harrison my opinion and he's not going to take it personally because he knows that it's coming from a genuine place of care. And so when we're talking about you know, the best way to go create this podcast, I can, 
get my opinion out on the table. He can get his opinion on the table. Alex can get his opinion on the table. And then, okay, we can make a decision. And even though we don't all agree, we can at least commit on, okay, this is the decision we're going to be taking. So, and that's the third, that's the third dysfunction, lack of commitment. Okay. We've engaged in that debate. We've disagreed. We've, 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 we've talked thoroughly. I'm not leaving this room with any resentment because I've built trust with Harrison and Alex. And now we can say, okay, we're committing to this path and this decision we're, we're going to be making. And since we're committing, then fourth dysfunction, avoidance of accountability. Since we're committing, we can say, okay, Aaron, you're responsible for this. Harrison, you're responsible for this. Alex, you're responsible for this. And when Alex doesn't get this done by this date, I can say, hey, Alex, I thought we were going, I thought we committed as a team to doing this by this date. What's going on? And can I help you? I mean, I, I want to know what's, what's happening there. We have that trust. We have that respect with one another. And we can have that conversation. I can hold Alex accountable or he can hold me accountable. Hey, you said you were going to be here this day. You weren't here this day. What's going on? And then if we have that accountability, then we can focus on results as a team. And this is huge. This is huge. The five dysfunctions of a team. It doesn't matter how successful your team is, your department is. If the other teams are failing, your team's failing. We all succeed as one team. Build with. It doesn't matter how successful services is. If software isn't successful, services, build with isn't successful. Our mission's not successful. We need to make sure that we're putting others before ourselves. And that includes reaching out to other teams. Hey, how can we help you guys? How can I take my resources and offer, offer my help to you guys to figure out how we go make the dirt world a better place together? I see the priority. Hey, we're, this is the priority here. And I know we have a lot going on over here, but we need to think like a team. So how can we do that? And if we have trust with one another, if we've engaged in conflict, if we've committed, if we've held one another accountable, we can go create those results. And we can go win as a team, as build with, not as services, not as software, not as media, not as all the other supporting teams that are just as important as those three, but as build with. And if build with wins, we're making the dirt world a better place. If we're making the dirt world a better place, more people have careers. There's more sustainable infrastructure in the United States. More people enjoy their careers, not just have careers, but enjoy what they do every single day. Companies aren't sitting running around saying, yeah, I can't find people. This sucks. Everybody's having a good time. So that, in a nutshell, is the five dysfunctions of a team. So hopefully everybody enjoyed that. If you want to buy and read the book, it is the five dysfunctions of a team. We have been referencing this substantially within our leadership team. It has really, really helped clarify things. It has really helped guide our, our meetings. And um, we start every meeting with a personal activity to build trust with one another. We go to dinner as a team to build trust. We engage in conflict now. We're, we're trying to set deadlines. We're trying to be better at this because it starts with the leadership team and boils down from there. But I wanted to empower everybody with that same information so that you all can be thinking, where are these dysfunctions in your day-to-day -day work within BuildWit? Where are these dysfunctions? Where are people not engaging in conflict? When have you not 
um, been able to air your, your true opinion on a subject. Why is that? Do you have the relationships you need with the people around you? Have you let something slide by that, hey, I, I should have had that conversation, that tough conversation, held that person accountable, but I didn't? Hey, have I prioritized my team over other teams here? All that goes on day to day. And it'll continue to do so. We're a growing business, but hopefully with that information, you can be a little bit more attentive and we can go build a better organization and win and make the dirt world a better place. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Build It Internal Podcast. And we will see you on the next episode. Stay dirty, everybody. Bye.